Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. Jeff mentioned already that um, we started our REACH series last week, and Yathas spoke to us about transplanting the city of peace and the city of confusion. Uh, This is uh, Pentecost weekend, and I love that in our REACH series, as we move from the neighborhoods to the nations, that in between the two um, is Pentecost Sunday, this waiting. Um, It's really, it's interesting because Jesus says, go, and then he says, don't go. Um, but wait for the empowerment of the Spirit. And so um, I, as we thought about this weekend, um, I, I thought about a guy that, that I know that I think would just, he would just be great to have him come speak on Pentecost Sunday. David and his wife Agnes are here. David Hearn and Agnes Hearn are here. David is, uh, you remember John Stumbo, our lead pastor here from years ago? John is the president of the CMA for the U.S. David is the president for another foreign country. You may have heard about it. It's called Canada. Uh, and uh, David oversees uh, 400 plus churches in Canada, and um, and it is really a, a huge privilege uh, for us today to hear from him on Pentecost Sunday. So, Sam Lance, will you welcome David as he comes and opens God's word up for us? Oh, this is fun. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. It is such a joy for Agnes and I to be here. We love Salem Alliance Church. We just do. And you have the most amazing pastor and his wife. I've met a lot of leaders. Yeah, yeah. I, I have met a lot of leaders, but it's, it's really unique to meet a couple who is so humble and yet so filled with an incredible passion for God and his kingdom. And so if kidnapping wasn't illegal, we'd take you to Canada right now, all right? Well, Agnes and I arrived on Friday, and then we were here at the church on Saturday. By the way, I have never preached more than four services. You're number five, so this is a personal best for me. So here's the deal. I said to Pastor Steve, if I drop halfway through the sermon, he's heard it four times. Just come on up, brother, and just keep going. So uh, Agnes and I did a prayer walk around your church, and, and our delight is wherever we go, we want to bless churches. And so we want to bring you a blessing from your Canadian family to the north, but also from Agnes and I. And so this is what we prayed for you. I prayed, oh God, would the incredible, majestic love of God the Father fall fresh upon Salem Alliance Church. That, oh God, every place where they feel fearful, every place where they feel anxious, every place where they feel uh, a sense of confusion in their soul, that they would be met with the overwhelming, unlimited, amazing love of God the Father that would sweep into your soul right at this moment and give you shalom. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Oh, bring it on, Lord. And then I said, oh, with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, just sweep over this congregation like a mighty wave. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Is that not like revolutionary news? Friends, not only has your sin been forgiven, but hallelujah, your shame has been taken away. You do not have to live in the shadow places anymore. Come in. Come in to the glorious light of the resurrected Christ. I declare over you this morning freedom in Jesus' name for the glory of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I got really excited, Steve. (laughs) And 
And if my, my shoes would have been better and it would have been raining yesterday, I'd have run the last lap around your church. But I prayed, oh, Holy Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on Salem Alliance Church. Oh, would there be a sense today on Pentecost Sunday where a new fire of the living God would fall upon you as a congregation. That every place you put your foot, demons would have to flee in Jesus' name. Because they would recognize that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in you. That's revolutionary, folks. So church... Be strong and courageous. I said to Pastor Steve, I actually read the end of the book and we win. (laughs) And I am convinced that this is a defining moment in human history. The nations of the world are ripe for the good news of Jesus Christ. But the nations of the world need a church that is revived, need a church that is renewed, need a church that is on fire. Oh, please, God, do not be normal anymore. Amen? Oh, may there be a sense of the incredible igniting power of the Spirit of God that unleashes you to be revolutionaries for God's kingdom in Salem and hallelujah beyond. You know, uh, God gave me, I think, a word for you, and I've never shared it to any other service at this point. You are the special ones, but you're gonna stay a little longer today, so just bear with me. (laughs) I think what God is doing in Salem Alliance isn't just for Salem Alliance. I believe it is for the alliance throughout the United States. And so I'm asking, oh God, would the flame of the Spirit of God so ignite this congregation that not only do you continue to have a revolutionary impact in Salem, but what if you just got to drip into the lives of the other alliance churches in Canada? Wouldn't it be so cool? So I don't know if that's prophetic or not, but maybe it is, but I just want to give that to you as my dream for you as a church. So rend the heavens and come down, O oh God. Come, breath. Oh, come from the four winds. And enter into Salem Alliance here this Pentecost Sunday that they may live. No, I mean really live. Filled with the intoxicating power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And so, Lord, we don't want to have another religious gathering today. No more. We want to have an encounter. An encounter with the living God that changes us forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I began in ministry 30 years ago, and I was a youth pastor in a small church in Ontario, Canada. And every summer, I'd give one week of my time to look after junior high boys in a junior high boys Bible camp. Now, junior high boys are very interesting creatures, are they not? Yeah, you never quite know what you're going to get. This particular camp that I was leading wasn't going overly well. The boys were really lethargic. They weren't overly interested in spiritual things. And so as we came to the the closing campfire, which I was in charge of, I had what I thought was a brilliant idea. I was going to tell the story of Elijah calling down fire from heaven. But before the boys arrived, we put all the logs in the fire pit and we doused them with gasoline. And then we attached a wire to one of those logs and it went up into a tree where we hid one of our youth leaders. And on, on that wire, we put a toilet paper roll also doused in gasoline. And this is how it was going to go. 
I was going to tell the riveting story of Elijah confronting the prophets of Baal. And when we came to that climactic moment, the boys would look up in the sky. They'd see a spark. Oh, no, they'd see a flame. And the flame would come down, hit the fire pit. There would be a mammoth explosion, and junior high boys would give their hearts to Jesus. I thought it was a brilliant plan. (laughs) By the way, church, do not try this at home. So everything was arranged. There was a a sense of anticipation and the boys arrived, flashlights in front of their faces. And as I began to tell this incredible, amazing story of the fire of God coming down, I got a little long-winded and all of the gas in the fire pit actually evaporated. And so when we came to that climactic moment, the boys looked up in the sky. They saw a spark. Oh no, they saw a flame. The flame came down, hit the fire pit and immediately went out. One of the boys from the back of the group yelled out in a loud voice, great story, but where's the fire? I've never forgotten that. Because sometimes as I travel around visiting Alliance churches, I actually find myself asking the same question. Great facility, but where's the fire? Oh, amazing worship, but where's the fire? Incredible sermon, pastor, but where is the fire? The palpable presence of the living Christ that transforms fear-filled disciples into faith-filled missionaries for the kingdom of God. I am a man on a mission, unapologetically so. To call the Christian Missionary Alliance back to its holiness roots, back to the sense of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that we may be high-octane revolutionaries for the kingdom of God. This is a defining moment for the church. It is, and I'm inviting you as Salem Alliance Church to say, how about today, God? (laughs) How about today, a fresh anointing of your spirit? How about today, a riveting reality of God on the move? Because the Alliance began as a fire-filled movement. A young Canadian boy, and I love saying that, a young Canadian boy, by the name of A.B. Simpson, was pastoring the second largest Presbyterian church in Hamilton, Ontario. He left there by the call of God to go to Louisville, Kentucky, It was at the end of the Civil War, and Louisville was divided north and south. There was hostility in the community, devastation in the home. Uh, there There was chaos in the church. And this young Canadian boy had the audacious faith to believe that God wanted to bring revival to Louisville, Kentucky. So he got together with all the other clergy, and they began to pray for the fire of God to fall on Louisville, Kentucky. Historians tell us that the fire of God came upon Louisville, Kentucky like a white hot heat. Isn't that a great picture? Hundreds came to know Christ. Prayer meetings went on into the wee hours of the morning. But for A.B. Simpson, something dramatically changed in his soul. He was a good theologian. He had a good theology of the Holy Spirit, but he'd never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He'd never been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there in Louisville, Kentucky, he had a dramatic experience of a dynamic encounter with the Holy Spirit of God. He described it this way. He said, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can no longer live for yourself. Isn't that a great statement? Friends, if we are going to put a death nail in the coffin of consumerism that is gutting the heart and soul out of the the, the church in North America, it will be through an unapologetic proclamation of the deeper life. As we die to self, we know the resurrected power of Jesus Christ that transforms us from the inside out. Salem Alliance Church, today is a good day to die. It is. Because you'll never know the fullness of the Spirit. And Simpson realized that it's when we die to ourselves that we are filled with a sense of the Spirit of God that makes our lives filled with an opportunity to serve and love and sacrifice for others the same way that Jesus did for us. 
He said, oh, I thought I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But he said, I wasn't filled to overwhelming. He said, I wasn't filled to overflowing. It's like I had a little bit of the ocean in a bottle, but God actually wanted to put the bottle into the ocean. And I wonder if today, if God's word for the Christian Missionary Alliance isn't this word of, can we expand the capacity of our soul? Wouldn't that be amazing? For some of you this morning, you may never have been filled with the Holy Spirit. I am so glad you're here because this is a prime moment in your life where you can surrender and say, Spirit of the living God, come and fill me. And the glory and the joy and the revolutionary power of God's Holy Spirit will transform you forever. Oh, I can hardly wait. But for others, you've been filled with the Spirit. And maybe God is saying, how about expand your capacity? You know what? It's really okay to ask for more. There's more than one baptism, church. Amen? And I am convinced that this is a new day, a new day dawning for the Christian Missionary Alliance where God is simply saying, oh, church, expand the capacity of your soul that you may receive more, more of my love, more of my fullness, more of my power to reach the nations of the world. Be greedy, church. It's okay on this one. John said that he, Jesus, would ignite the kingdom of God within us. A fire within us. The Holy Spirit within us, transforming us from the inside out. Fred Hartley described it this way. He said that God promises to saturate or submerge us in the Holy Spirit and in fire. He wants every area of our lives and every cell of our body dripping with his presence and fully under his influence. Simpson declared that the message given to the Christian Missionary Alliance is a message that is steeped in the Holy Spirit. A message that calls men and women to seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit without exaggeration, without fanaticism, without unscripturalness of any kind. All that power can be and yet with a sound mind. I tell my girls, if I ever get a tattoo, that's the one. Isn't that great? All that power can be and yet with a sound mind. Because Simpson knew deep within his soul this profound truth. That mission without the power of the Holy Spirit would only result in humanitarianism. No lives would be changed for eternity. But Simpson also knew that simply a focus on the work of the Spirit without mission would actually lead to fanaticism. Things would get a little strange. But here's the great news. That mission with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the fresh fire of the Holy Spirit, will actually lead to revolution. And if there's ever been a time that the Christian Missionary Alliance needs revolution, it is now. By the way, this is us. <laughs> this is the heart and soul of the Christian Mystery Alliance. A sense of the filling and power of the Holy Spirit that ignites us in mission to the nations of the world. But here is what I see as a fundamental challenge for us. I think over the years we've become afraid of our own theology. And so we're so afraid of wildfire or we're so afraid of false fire that we've actually accepted no fire in our churches and treat that now as normal. And I want to say, oh God, would you fill our churches with holy fire once again? People say, David, aren't you afraid of the excesses? I am not afraid of the excesses in the Christian Missionary Alliance. We are people of the word, amen? We are people of discernment. I am not afraid of excesses, but I'm terrified of death because that's really hard to recover from. <laughs> and so church, here's my desire for us. What the world is longing for 
is not churches with better strategies, not churches with more effective methods, not churches with more of a compelling vision. What the world is longing for is churches that are full of men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. By the way, that's what your kids are longing for. That's what your grandkids are longing for. They want to know that mom and dad and grandpa and grandma are not retiring from the faith, but they are retreading for the kingdom of God with fresh fire, with fresh glory, with fresh vision to reach the nations of the world. That's what our churches are longing for in Jesus' name. That's it. So here's the thought that God gave me. It was in Exodus where God's presence descended on Mount Sinai. And it says that Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because God had descended on the mountain in fire. I remember the words of Bill Johnson that said, it's so easy for the church to camp around a sermon, to camp around an event, to camp around a program, but Israel actually camped around the presence of God. And I say, Salem Alliance Church, how about we camp there for a while? Because when they were in that upper room, The 120 gathered, and the promise that they would be clothed from power with on high. And then in that glorious moment, as a sound like a mighty rushing wind swept in and actually filled the place where they were meeting, and then fire of God fell, and it seemed like tongues of fire that came and separated and appeared above each one of them. You know what I see? I see mini Mount Sinai's, don't you? I see the Mount Sinai now, the presence of God was distributed to individuals. They were filled with the fire of God and they were unleashed to be revolutionaries for the kingdom of God. Oh, Holy Spirit of the living God, come again with fire upon your church. I look out and I just see, oh, Mount Sinai is just coming on your heads. (laughs) Fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit of God. Because it's men and women filled with the fire of God that changed the course of human history. I want to invite you into Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, uh, where we get to see a, a vivid picture of what it looks like for, for men and women to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to suggest to you there are three evidences of God's holy fire falling upon us. And the first evidence is that when the holy fire of God comes, the supernatural is unleashed. It was three in the afternoon. Peter and John were going up to the temple to pray. And as they went through the gate beautiful, they encountered a man who had been crippled since birth. And as I read that in the text, I wonder how many times had they passed that man? This was their regular routine. How many times had they gone through that gate and seen that same man there, but now filled with the holy fire of God, everything changed. Now they were looking at this as a moment for the supernatural expression of God. And that's what I want to see. I I have this sense this morning, I just wanted to see unleashing of everybody in Salem Alliance Church that as you go back to your communities, back to your homes, that you actually see the world differently. Amen? That you actually see opportunities for the supernatural power of God to be expressed. (laughs) That you look at every person differently. That you don't go to your mall to shop anymore. What if you go to your mall to change the atmosphere? Wouldn't it be wonderful? The man looks at them and, of course, begs for sustenance. And in that glorious moment, we see Peter who looks at the man and then says to the man, look at us, a riveting moment. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're begging for the very sustenance of life and two guys come by that look like they got some money and they look at you and one of them says that I'm supposed to look at them, you're thinking this is payday. This is like lotto. This is good. He had no idea how good it was going to get. (laughs) 
Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Don't you wish you would have been there? This guy has been crippled for 40 years. And for the first time, he feels energy surging into his feet, energy coming into his ankles. Those anemic legs are filled with power. And the word of God says he doesn't just stand to his feet. He leaps to his feet. I'd be leaping too. And he continues to walk and leap and rejoice. A profound intervention of the supernatural power of God. I want to declare something to you. From the very beginning, the Alliance has had a belief in the supernatural power of God and in supernatural things. Salem Alliance Church, do you still believe in the supernatural? (sighs) This is our moment. This is our moment to live into the supernatural power of God. And so I was preaching this message at one of our churches and I I just said, I I just sort of rolled off my tongue and said, wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody was healed dramatically like that this morning and little did I know that a woman had come in who hadn't been able to walk and she had her crutch with her and the moment I said that, God instantly healed her. She said that she felt warmth come right through her whole body and she knew instantly she was healed. So she thought she better go test it out. So while I'm preaching, she walks to the back of the church and she starts walking and, and then she starts running in the back of the church. And so, and so after the service was, was coming to a conclusion, I gave an altar call and she was the first one forward. She came and knelt there and I knelt right beside her. And as she got up to go away, she left her crutch at the altar. So I went to her and I said, excuse me, but you left your crutch at the altar. And her expression was wonderful. A beaming face that said, exactly, God healed me today. And she said, I left the crutch there as a sign, as a symbol to the supernatural healing power of God. And I remember as her and her husband left the church that day, he had the crutch over his hand like this trophy of the revolutionary power of God's healing grace and supernatural intervention. And I say, oh, church, when will that become normative in the Christian Missionary Alliance? (laughs) That every time the church gathers, we think, okay, who's, who's getting healed today? Uh, Tozer said it this way. He said, I think we need to declare war on the mood of non-expectation. Amen? Boy, we ought to come hungry. Hungry for the supernatural power of God. That broken marriages would be healed. That wayward sons and daughters would come home. That people possessed of demons would be set free in Jesus' name. That, my friends, is the church on fire by the power of God. And so I got a call from one of our churches. And the pastor's first words were, there's been an outbreak of healing in our church. And Steve, I knew this was going to be a great conversation. (laughs) It's one of our ethnic churches in Canada. The elders were actually studying James chapter 5 on anointing and praying for people to be healed. And one of the elders said, well, we've never done that in our church. And another elder said, well, why don't we do that next week? And a third elder said, well, what kind of oil should we use? And a fourth elder said, well, Costco's got good oil. Let's go buy oil from Costco. So they buy a gallon of cooking oil from Costco. So the next Sunday, the pastor preaches on healing. And one of the elders lugs a gallon of cooking oil onto the platform. And the pastor gives a call for people to come forward. The entire church comes forward. And everybody that was anointed and prayed for was healed in Jesus' name. 
People with chronic illnesses were delivered instantly. People with demonic activity were set free in the mighty name of Jesus. People who had aches and pains and back issues and leg issues from accidents, they were instantly healed. There was a woman who had an awful skin disease. They watched as God reformatted the cells on her, on her arms, on her hands, on her legs. I stood in front of this woman and saw the beauty of God's healing grace. And with tears rolling down my face, she kept saying over and over again, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Friends, I know that God doesn't heal in every situation. And I have a theology of suffering. I understand that, that it is about the sovereign will of God. It is about the glory of God. It is not about the healing. It is about the healer. But can I declare to you as my extended church family, I think we give up too soon. And unless God has specifically told you that he's not going to heal you, then you keep asking and you keep coming and you keep humbling yourselves and you keep believing in the supernatural power of God to heal. I dare you in Jesus' name. See, two weeks ago, a good friend of mine was at one of the services I was preaching at. And after the service was over, he sent me this text. It was beautiful. He said, I've suffered from scoliosis since I had polio when I was seven. I've been prayed for for over a hundred times. Let that sink in. I have been prayed for for over a hundred times. The pain lately has been debilitating. Last night, faith welled up in me again as you were speaking. So when I came forward, I was asking God to send someone to pray for my back. Some guy I didn't even know showed up and prayed for me. And this morning, I woke up without back pain for the first time in 18 years. Don't give Today might be the day. Today might be the day. You see, when the holy fire of God falls, the supernatural is unleashed. But friends, when the holy fire of God falls, our hearts are actually revived. And now a, a large group begins to gather. I mean, this man that they've known, they've seen, who's been crippled since birth, is now dancing, celebrating, praising God, declaring that a divine intervention of Almighty God has occurred. And as this crowd gathers, Peter thinks it would be a good time to preach. I think it'd be a great time to preach too. And so he says, fellow Israelites, why are you so surprised? Uh, why are you looking at us if, if somehow by our godliness and our power this man has been healed? And then I love this proclamation. It is the God of Abraham. It is the God of Isaac. It is the God of Jacob. It is the God of our fathers that has glorified his servant Jesus. Oh, that was a great moment. And then I gotta tell you, when the holy fire of God falls, there is weight in the preaching of God's word. And I love this next proclamation. Here he is in Jerusalem, the very place that Jesus was crucified. And here is the heart and soul of his message. You killed the author of life. That's pretty daring. But God has raised him from the dead and we are witnesses of that fact. Repent, therefore. Oh, turn your hearts to God that he may wipe away your sins and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Oh, I long for that in the alliance. I long for that in our movement. The times of refreshing would come from the Lord. But D.L. Meadie puts it this way, he says, before we ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, we need to ask that God would empty us, amen? And the reality is, is that repentance always precedes filling. I have a good friend who's been a bachelor for years. He is the messiest housekeeper you can imagine. There are times that he doesn't wash his dishes for over three weeks. Can you see this picture? 
He said one day I was sitting in my, my living room in my apartment uh, reading a magazine and all of a sudden uh, there was an unexpected uh, visitor. So I, my friends had come and they dropped by and so he said, I realized from the time I buzzed them into the apartment complex to the time they were at my apartment door, I had 60 seconds to clean my kitchen. So he said, I ran into my kitchen, took all of the dishes off the counter and stuffed them inside my oven. And then he said, I wiped the counters clean so that my kitchen looked absolutely pristine. He went and answered the door and in came his friends and they said, we've got a pizza, but it's cold. Where's your oven? (laughs) He said the most embarrassing moment was opening up my oven and pulling out all of my dirty dishes. Salem Alliance Church, what's in your oven? On this beautiful Pentecost Sunday, the beginning is always repentance. What's killing us in the church is secrets. John Bradshaw said it this way, He said that you are as sick as the secrets you keep. And I want to declare war in Jesus' name on the secrets. Because some of you today are sitting here and you're held in bondage by your secrets. And God is saying, I want to clean your soul. I want to get rid of the debris. And I got to declare to you, the best oven cleaner I know is the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? And when the Holy Spirit of God is at work in your soul, he's not a generalist. He's very specific. And it'll move right to the core of the issue. And I compel you, I plead with you in Jesus' name, do not leave this auditorium with more secrets, please. Let the Spirit of God wash over your soul and cleanse you and set you free. There's a revival that's broken out in Cuba. And it began with 20 Alliance pastors who had an audacious vision. They wanted to start a prayer movement where they had people praying every hour of every day for revival to come to Cuba, 365 days of the year. Well, not only did that movement begin, but it began to spread to other denominations. And Agnes and I were there for the first annual prayer conference sanctioned by a communist government. Isn't this great? 450 Christian leaders showed up representing 50 different denominations. And the fire of God fell upon those Cuban leaders. And you always know it's the fire of God and revival when the first order of business is repentance. And these leaders, with great sorrow, began to repent for the ways in which they'd mistreated each other, for the ways in which they'd slandered each other. And then they began to wash one another's feet as a humble act of radical repentance. And it was beautiful. The Baptists were washing the Pentecostals' feet. The Pentecostals were washing the Baptists' feet. The Alliance was just confused, so we washed everybody's feet. It was beautiful. (laughs) And in that holy moment of radical repentance, the fire of God fell upon those Cuban leaders. They stood to their feet. Oh, I wish you could have been there. We watched as they raised their hands and in one unified voice, they said, Christ for Cuba, Cuba for the nations. Christ for Cuba, Cuba for the nations. And the Cubans are now sending out their first missionaries to the Arab nations of the world, the hardest to reach people in the world. And I want to say this to you. If God can begin a revival with 20 ordinary pastors who audaciously began to pray for the fire of God to fall on their island nation, so much so that 50 other denominations joined with them and that today they are stronger, more powerful, more visionary than they've ever been before, that they are sending missionaries out to reach the Arab nations of the world, then friends, God can bring revival to Salem. Amen? Maybe that's why you showed up today. (laughs) Maybe the moment you're here is that God wants to revive your soul. It'll always begin with repentance. When the holy fire falls, the supernatural power of God is unleashed. 
When the holy fire of God falls, our hearts are revived. And friends, when the holy fire of God falls, it revitalizes our mission to reach the nations of the world. Not everybody's really excited about this new revival that's broken out in Jerusalem. In fact, three arch enemies, if you go into the beginning of chapter four, three arch enemies, the temple guard, the priests, and the Sadducees, they hate each other. But now they found an enemy that's even more fearful than each other. And so they become best friends as they want to fight against this new enemy. It's the proclamation that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. So they put John and Peter in jail. And the next morning they're ready to have an inquisition. So all of the religious leaders gather around and I love it. They ask this profound question. In what name and by what power was this man healed? Oh, this is so good, folks. Peter Get this, full of the Holy Spirit. Says rulers and elders of Israel, if we are being called into account for an act of kindness shown to a lame man, and if we are being asked today by what power and in what name was he healed, then you and all of Israel know this. It is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God has raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Ba-boom. Isn't that a great moment? Oh, and it gets better. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among mankind whereby you must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and recognized they were ordinary unschooled men. Don't you love that phrase? Ordinary unschooled men. They were astonished and they took note that they had been with Jesus. Like that's my vision for the church. (laughs) Is is that God would so rivet us with, with the power of his spirit that God would so drench us, saturate us in the very presence and power of the living Christ that wherever we go, we take the fragrance of Jesus with us. Wouldn't that be amazing? And so that as you go out into your community, The word on the street about Salem Alliance Church is we don't know what's going on inside that building, but it looks like they're hanging out with Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It looks like they're hanging out with Jesus because they're so much like him. There's an authority, there's a power, there's a presence, there's a sense of the majestic of God that is resident in their lives and they're changing the atmosphere. Oh, let it loose, church, in Jesus' name, amen? This is really exciting for me (laughs) because... As I, as I look at these poor religious leaders, if the guy who had been healed just went home, it would have made their lives so much easier. But he keeps dancing and praising and celebrating God. And so they take Peter and John aside and they anemically scold them. You can no longer preach and teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter, with great boldness, looks them in the eyes and says, well, you're gonna have to make a judgment call whether we should obey you or whether we should obey God. But we simply can't help but speak about the things that we've seen and heard. Isn't that powerful? That's what I I wanna see in Salem. I want to see you as people launched out into this community, that every coffee shop you're in, every conversation you're in, you're no longer talking about politics. Can we just give it a rest? And you're no longer talking about sports. I know that's tough for some of you. I get it. But that every time we open our mouths, we just want to talk about Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing? By the way, that's revival and that's mission. Amen? That every coffee shop, every place we go, we open our mouths and our friends say, oh, you're going to talk about Jesus again? Yeah, sorry, can't help it. (laughs) There's just so much that we're seeing. So much 
that we're experiencing that it's intoxicating. We just can't help but express it. And when Peter and John go back to the praying church, I love this moment. The church in the midst of persecution does not ask to be removed from persecution. The church asks, oh God, give us greater boldness. Isn't that powerful? Oh God, would there be more signs? Would there be more wonders? And the place in which they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I tell you, every Alliance church I go into, and I know it freaks some people out, I go, oh God, shake the church. Oh, shake us. And wouldn't it be amazing if an entire church got filled with the Spirit all at the same time? You know, that was pretty normative in the New Testament. We often have individuals that get filled with the Spirit that's wonderful, that's precious, but I long for the day when the sweeping power of the Holy Spirit would grip an entire church. They would be immediately filled with the Holy Spirit for the sake of mission and the glory of God. Amen? Oh, bring it on, Jesus. (laughs) Bring it on, Jesus. So two quick pictures as I conclude. The holy fire of God has fallen in Iraq. And in a place that is ripped apart by war and by atrocities, I've got to let you know that the Spirit of God is operating in power. And that the very strategy Satan has used to defeat the church has become the very fuel that is unleashing the power of the church and advancing the kingdom. Let me tell you about the Yazidis. 650,000 completely unreached people in northern Iraq. They were, they were overrun by ISIS. ISIS came into their village, raped their women, killed their men. They fled in terror to a place called Dehuk. We have an alliance church in Dehuk, northern Iraq. And I was there as we were embracing these people. Uh, we were giving them coats and, and we were giving them blankets and we were expressing the love of God. We couldn't hand out Bibles, but we could let them steal our Bibles. It was wonderful. And so we had a table full of Bibles. And as we would turn our backs, they would steal our Bibles and run away. And we go, oh, thank you, Lord. It's amazing. (laughs) For the first time in human history, the Yazidis have the word of God. It's being read in their community. And they are coming to Christ. We are going to plant the first church in Jesus' name in northern Iraq among the Yazidis. Praise God. That's holy fire. Holy fire. Second pictures of my mom. My mom is like 88 years old. She's got more fire than I don't know. (laughs) She's just filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Eight years ago, my mom was in her ground level apartment talking to one of her friends. Now, my mom is deaf and her friend is deaf. Can you imagine that conversation? (laughs) They're like screaming at each other over the phone. And as mom is screaming at her friend and her friend is screaming at mom, a young man, 21 years of age, breaks into my mom's ground level condo goes by the room where she's screaming at her friend, goes into her bedroom, steals all of her money, all of her jewelry and her car keys, goes into the underground parking, finds my mom's car, drives it through the big iron gate in the underground parking. There is a huge crash. Everybody in the condo hears it except my mother. 30 minutes later, they catch the thief. They get my mom's money back, her jewelry back, her car back. My mother does not even know she's been robbed. So when Constable Frank shows up at the door, mom has now just become aware something's not quite right. And so Constable Frank says, okay, Mrs. Hearn, you've been robbed, but we've got your car back, and here's your jewelry, and here's your $35. And my mom said, but I only had $25. (laughs) And the police officer said, you keep it, dear, you keep it. (laughs) Fast forward three months. My mom finds out the young man has pled guilty and that he's going to be sentenced to jail time. 
And so my mom phones me and says, David, I want to go to that sentencing hearing. I said, Mom, why would you want to go? She said, I want to be able to look that young man directly in the eyes and tell him that I forgive him and that I'm praying for him. I said, okay, Mom, we'll go. We found the right courtroom, the right time. And on one side of the courtroom is my mom, my middle daughter, Alicia, and me. And on the other side is the young man's mother. And while we're waiting for the judge to come, in comes the young man's lawyer. He's a personal friend of mine. His name is Daryl Schultz. He's a part-time lawyer, part-time pastor. How that works out in the economy of God, I'm really not sure. <laughs> but he's like great at both. And so he comes up and he says, Dave, why are you here? I said, it looks like your client robbed my mother. He goes, oh, great. He goes, why is your mom here? And I said, my mom wants your client to know that she forgives him and that she's praying for him. The judge comes in, all rise, young man behind a glass enclosure, sheriff beside him. And my friend, Daryl, goes to the podium and says, uh, Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a, a special privilege. It was granted. He said, I want to introduce you to the victim. Her name is Mrs. Hearn. He said, I've been a lawyer for years. And whenever the victim shows up in the courtroom, they usually have one thing on their mind to make sure the perpetrator gets the full extent of the law. But he said, Mrs. Hearn is here for a different reason. She wants my client to know that she forgives him and that she's praying for him. Later, that judge went to my friend, the lawyer, Daryl Schultz, and said these exact words, I hate people of faith. They make my job so difficult. Isn't that great? <clears throat> the judge looks at the young man and says, you stand to your feet. He said, this morning in this courtroom, you've been offered a moment of mercy. Is that not a powerful statement? He said, I'm, gonna only, I'm only gonna sentence you to half the amount of time that I originally was because of Mrs. Hearn. Now, what do you need to say to her? This 21-year-old kid looks out from behind this glass enclosure at my mother and goes, I'm really sorry. And my mother, who's not very animated, stands to her feet and goes, it's all right, you're forgiven. It was so powerful. <laughs> Sentence is handed down. Court is dismissed. My mother walks over and embraces a young man's mother. We watch these two women sobbing in each other's arms. I turn to my middle daughter, Alicia, and I said, honey, you're never gonna read this in a textbook. Your grandmother is more concerned about one lost man than about all she possesses and even her very life. It's called holy fire. So, two months ago, I get a call from the lawyer. This is eight years ago now. My mom has prayed every day for this young man to find Christ. Two months ago, the lawyer contacts us and says, by the way, his name is Clark, and Clark has come to Jesus, and he's getting baptized. Could your mom come to his baptism? Now, mom was a little too frail to come to his baptism, but here it is. Here's Clark getting baptized two months ago, two months ago. And, and this is what the, the lawyer was there at the baptism, and this is what he said. It was the most amazing baptism my wife and I have ever experienced. Clark brought 10 of his unsaved friends, and most surprising at all was his mother was not only there, but had seen the change in Clark, started attending church, and became a Christian five weeks ago. She got baptized too, so I included the pictures of her baptism as well. And then he went on to say this. They gave their testimonies, and it was a blessed event. Thanks so much to your mom for the role she played in Clark's life. He thought it really cool that I would be sending her the pictures of his baptism. Last Saturday, a week ago, I went to visit my mom and I invited Clark over to our home. And he came. And we spent two hours hearing the glorious testimony of how God had brought Clark to Christ. And here he is now. This is the very house he robbed eight years earlier. He's sitting with my mom and my mom is loving and loving and loving this young man. And as she holds his hand, I'm watching. And she prays, oh, spirit of the living God, fall fresh on Clark. How does that happen? 
holy fire. Holy fire. Holy fire. Don't you long for that? I sense in this moment there's just radical hunger in this room. Oh, that's such a good place. Because when it comes to the filling of the Spirit, that's all you get to bring. <laughs> you just get to be hungry. Isn't that awesome? So I want to I wanna give you a gift, church. And it comes all the way from Cuba. It's not Cuban cigar. Sorry about that. <laughs> it is like so much better. So I'm going to ask you to stand. As Agnes and I were leaving Cuba, 20 of our pastors came around us. And I'll never forget as one cupped his hands like this. And he said, David, I want you to imagine the flame of revival that's come to Cuba. And then he asked me to cup my hands in a similar fashion. And I'll never forget as he walked so gently towards me and he, he deposited the flame into my hands. And then this is an exact quote. He said, could you take that back to Canada? They really need it there. <laughs> you really need it here. So I'm going to ask you to cup your hands. For some of you, this is going to be a very daring moment, but that's okay. Don't be afraid. Because as I give you the flame from Cuba, I'm going to ask you to pull it into your chest, and I'm going to ask you to say, Spirit of the living God, fill me. For some of you, it may be the very first time you've uttered that prayer. This is so cool for you. <laughs> oh, oh, man, this is so vital for you. Where you simply surrender and say, it's enough. I won't fight. I won't struggle anymore. I receive all that you have for me. I receive your spirit. The baptism is here. For others, as you pull that flame into your chest, it's going to be that I've already been filled with the Spirit, but I just want a little more today. So as I said earlier, be greedy, church. This one's okay. Say, oh God, expand the capacity of my soul. I just want more. <laughs> but here's the second part. As you pull the flame into your chest, I want you to pray this prayer. God, whatever you want me to do, Wherever you want me to go, and whenever you want me to do it, my answer in advance is yes. Isn't that daring? Isn't that great? So God, even before you ask the question, I'm going to declare right here in this moment, Pentecost Sunday, that my answer to you is yes. Oh, folks, this is revolutionary. So Salem Alliance Church, I dare you. I dare you in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.